Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, it's great to see you, though I can't see you. And thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with any questions, comments, or concerns you have about plant material inside and out. And, Mr. Keller, before you take off. Yes, sir. We were talking uh, before you went on air with the news Mm -hmm. about all the things you've had done to your landscape. Yes, we have a lot of trees, and uh, some of them I planted when we moved in 23 years ago, almost, let's see, 23, in a week it'll be 23 years. Wow. Uh, And uh, we had some others that were already there, and some of them just had to go. (laughs) And I hated it because the birds love them. And I like the kind of jungle feel around the back, you know. Sure. But we had to get rid of some trees, and so so we did. And so the yard has a little different look now, and we're not <laughs> sure how we're going to handle that. And the birds were kind of mad. They they stayed away for a day or so. It's like, hey, we have no place to sit. You took our seat away. Ah, you know? Yeah, that's but, cool. Uh, yeah, I know. We felt bad. So bad. Uh, but they're back. Most of them are back now. Right. Not like when we had the snow, we had 100 birds back there. I mean, just crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, once the snow was gone, like the finches are like, ah, we got better food over here. So, <laughs> but uh, that, that saved me some money. Ah, anyway. oh, great. Yeah. So, yeah, a little change there. We got grass now we're going to have to plant Whoa. or something else. Right. So, yeah, we'll be calling you. All right. 436 7900 1 800 925 All right. So, you right. can just call me from your desk. I think that. I will. <laughs> <laughs> great. Thanks, Brian. It is Saturday morning. We're going to get together and we're going to have a discussion about what's going on in your landscape. And uh, what are you going to be trying to do this year in your landscape? You're going to start with a new garden space. And how about your house plants? How did they make it? Winter's almost over. They can't go outside yet. If you would have stuck them outside, it would have been pretty chilly this morning. It was right at freezing. So it might not have done any damage to your house plants, but... Uh, Wait for a little bit before you stick them outside. And do you need to improve your soil before you do any kind of planting or just improve your soil's health in general by core aeration and composting? And uh, should you be pruning this time of year on this particular plant versus that plant? And what I try to do is share information about bugs or diseases or whatever it happens to be 
and hopefully it will help you orchestrate the best option that you can have. And uh, But, of course, you can choose whatever you want to do. It is your yard. And this is your show, though, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home where we can, or your car, maybe you're listening while you're riding around. And another important player is Alex. He's producing, and so he pushes all the buttons and then answers the phone. So when you call with a question or concern or comment, he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you like, and uh, I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage is my email address and phone number where I can be reached. And uh, this past week, I was on Wednesday, I was in Baldwin, I was in Chesterfield, and Kirkwood. And one of the uh, the gentlemen in Kirkwood, he said, uh, you know, we were talking about my experiences and things like that. And, I, you know, I was saying, I, you know, I worked at the Botanical Garden on the horticulture staff only f- for five years, four years in the Woodland Garden and one year in the Climate Trial. He said, I thought you worked there a lot longer. Well, I did work there teaching classes after I left the horticultural staff. I taught classes for another 20 years after that. So five years on the horticulture staff and then teaching classes evening-wise and sometimes on Saturday afternoons. Um for 20 years. So botanical garden has been very, very important to me. So anyway, if you do, and you know, the good gardening stroll is brought to you by St. Louis composting, 636-861-3344. I never start off with any kind of idea where I might go. And today I was, you know, I got into the car and I thought, Hmm, I thought I'd just kind of drive and see where, where I ended up. And I ended up at Arsenal and Jefferson. And that is where the diverse park of Benton Park is. What a great park that is. It's a great size. And, I mean, this was a perfect morning to do this, too, because I, I pulled up and I was facing east, you know, with my car, and the sky, the eastern sky was just golden. It was really, really perfect. And it really made the mature conifers and deciduous trees stand out strikingly. There is a huge mulch pile sitting there on the sidewalk waiting to be spread. And nearby is the monarch butterfly milkweed patch. And there's tennis courts as well. They sit adjacent adjacent to a huge playground. And there's some recently installed amelanchiers. Amelanchier is a service berry. Service berry is a tree that grows on the edge of the woods. It flowers before the dogwood, and it's a little bit tougher than the dogwood. So... If you want something, white flower, early spring, that produces red fruits, red berries, and then has fantastic fall color, think about the service berry or amelanchier. There's also some uh, new birch trees have been planted. And the rolling hills really add a nice contour to the walk. And if you step off the pavements and just kind of meander down the hills, it's not steep or anything you need to worry about, but it is uh, just kind of fun to walk. There's picnic tables stacked up on top of each other for winter hibernation. The horseshoe area was filled with sweet gum balls. There's a huge sweet gum ball tree or sweet gum tree uh, right over the where they play the horseshoes. And uh, boy, oh boy, there's a gaggle of geese. There's several of them. And I always wonder how you decide if you're a goose or a duck or whatever. I'm going to hang out with these guys versus these guys or if they you know go back and forth. 
because it's really kind of odd how there's always, you know, how whatever they do, it doesn't really matter. And there is a sign along the lake, which the lake is really nice, that says no skating. So don't think about when it's even cold going there to do some ice skating. The ornamental grasses are waiting for their spring haircut. The squirrels were having breakfast, and other t- another tree was planted in memory of Allison Marie James. Pine cones underneath all the white pines there, they were adding some nice spice. The sparrows, chickadees, and robins were adding a nice melody to the air. So all of this was in the Benton Park area, so that's where the Good Gardening Stroll was today in Benton Park. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, the bright sky is really turning blue. It's nice to look out the window here. We're looking straight west from where the studios are. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Jane lives in Lake St. Louis. Hi, Jane. Good morning. Good morning. Um, first of all, I love your show. And number two, I need help. I, I believe I have Bermuda grass um, just based on my... Uh, looking around on the internet, it sends these nasty little runners underground and pops up in all my flower beds. So is that Bermuda grass? Very well could be. It could be you know, several different things, but that might be it for sure. Okay. Well, I need to um, put some sod down or some grass of some kind. And it, it seems like I can only find fescue sod. So what happens if I put fescue sod alongside this Bermuda grass? Well, the Bermuda grass will just be invasive into it. Oh, okay. Well, so you got to kill off the Bermuda, get rid of the Bermuda before you put in, you know, before you do anything. Oh, okay. Well, no, I'm t- this is a small area that I want to sod over. So I shouldn't use fescue. Uh, do they sell Bermuda grass sod anywhere, or do I need to start from um, <laughs> seed? No, you're not going to find I don't even know if they have the seed. So it's really oh. considered a noxious weed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, no, you're not going to find Bermuda sod. You're not going to find Bermuda seed. Maybe online you could find the seed, but I don't, you know, certainly you don't want to buy sod online. I don't know if you can do that. No. Well, what would happen if I bought fescue sod and just let this Bermuda creep into it so it all matches? Um, then you're fine. I mean, it's, it's just don't get uh, you know, obsessed with something like whether it's, you know, Bermuda or whether it's green moss or anything, and just kind of realize that it's, you know, the outdoors, and there's only so much, you know, control we really have. Uh-huh. So if it's green, that's fine. Yes. <laughs> that was my okay. father's philosophy, you know, when we were growing up. Some of the yeah. neighbors were going after the weeds, you know, when we moved to Ellisville. And, I mean, it was just crazy. And he said, who cares? You know, it's green. Yeah, yeah. I had a neighbor who once said, if it's green, cut it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank right. you for your help. I appreciate it. Certainly. My okay, pleasure. bye-bye. Yep. And now let's go to Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Hello? Hi. Hi, Mike. Uh, I have two questions. Uh, when is it a good time to put my elephant ears in pots outside and number two i have like a 10 by 20 area that the uh, uh, construction guys built a patio and all i've got is dirt clay um i know it's probably not the ideal time to put down seed i usually do that in the fall 
but if I'm going to put seed down, how long after I put pre-emergent down on the rest of the yard, how long after that could I put seed down? It just depends upon, you know, what type of pre-emergent you're using. It's usually going to be, or you're using any place between two and four weeks after you put it down. Okay. So just realize that. And if, I don't know how big this, how big is this area? It's about 10 by 20. Okay. So you should probably improve the soil before you put any seed down. Okay. So get a topsoil compost mix or just add some compost to it, or else you're just going to have a nightmare with this whole thing. And yeah, realize, kind of a- you know, with the seed, you're going to be doing the seed a couple, you know, a couple of springs and a couple of falls in a row to get it nice and thick. The other yeah, option would be to buy, you know, to get some sod. Yeah, do the sod. I have to, in this area, I have to dig it out to make it level, and I don't really want to dig out in a 10 by 20 area. Right. You know? But you're still going to have to, you should improve it or else you're just going to be wasting your time and effort and money. So what's uh, good topsoil and compost? Yeah. Uh, get a blend of compost and topsoil together and mix it in with the existing soil. Don't just layer it on top of the existing soil. Okay. How about the elephant ear timing in pots outside? Uh, basically, I always put mine out about, uh, you know, when tax time. So April, mid-April. It's usually okay. pretty much frost-free after that, and it's going to take them a couple of weeks before they're even going to, you know, germinate it up and start showing any kind of growth above the surface. So sure. uh, you've got plenty of time. I usually pot mine up and leave them sit in the garden for, or not the garden, in the garage for a couple of weeks, and then I move them back outside. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sir, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, about the middle of April, I'm going to be getting uh, some bare root coneflowers. And my question to you this morning, do you recommend for the first year that you pinch off the uh, the flowers or not? Oh, definitely. Flowering, okay. you know, especially something that's bare, uh, you know, bare root, it's, you know, extremely stressful. So even if it was a tree or a shrub or a perennial, just you know, that's you got to get rid of that at least for the you know for the first year for sure. All right. Very well. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Enjoy your program. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you know bare root perennials. Um, you know, I you know I've never really bought any perennials that were bare root, so good luck with that. But uh, coneflowers are pretty darn tough and. And just, uh, you know, watch out for them and just make sure they're in the full sun, a well-drained circumstance, and uh, you make sure they don't go through any kind of drought stress here in the first year. Okay, let's go to another Chris. Hi, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, I just want to make some comments. I don't think enough people focus on preparing a good seed bed versus, you know, compost helps, absolutely. But, you know, it's a good soil to seed contact will make up in terms of getting your stand your grass up quicker than anything else um and getting your grass stand up when it's small and rooted in is what determines whether you have a good yard or not you disagree with me uh yeah to a certain point you want this you know the in with the contact with the soil for sure but if you got really heavy duty compacted clay soils then even if the seed's laying on top of soil, it's not going to ha- you know have much luck on penetrating. Well, that's why I said in a, uh, establishing a 
you know, just throwing a half inch of compost down is not going to help it. You need no. to have a good four to six inches of tilled up soil. Right. That's why I said a good seed bed. Right. Well, so I, I think that's what I get a lot of people asking questions on this stuff, too. It's uh, People don't cover that enough that, yeah, just have a little bit of powder. Yeah, it'll grow, but it won't root in. Right. So I think that's a point that gets missed on a lot, too. And then also, uh, I had a lady asking about the uh, Bermuda grass. Um, go to a golf course, get some plugs. You can root <laughs> that stuff in. That's true. Honestly. So that's the cheapest way to do it. I used to grow Bermuda grass plugs in my dorm room in college. So oh, did you? Wow. It's a hobby. But anyways, that's my two cents for the day. Have a good Saturday. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. I mean, improving the soil is essential to have successful lawn because if you don't, it's just going to be a nightmare, and you're never going to, ha- you know, you're just going to be disappointed by the whole thing. So you're absolutely right. So, all right, well, have a good one. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Chris. And now let's go to another Chris. Wow. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Very good. Good. So we bought a house in October, and it's set up on top of a hill. And we have a retaining wall in the backyard that a patio kind of runs into the bottom of it. We have a bunch of runoff that comes from atop the hill that will get mud on the patio. So my wife has actually been digging a French drain the last week, but it's leading out to an area where we have, I think it's like a relief for a sump pump. So it's like a little green cap that just pops up and shoots water. And she wants the French drain to kind of end in that area with rocks around it would that cause any problems? Uh, you know, without seeing it physically, it's a little bit difficult to, to sort of guess, but it doesn't sound like it should. So okay. you Perfect. should you I, should be fine. And then the last part of this is she she's bought some brick edging to put around the patio to stop some of the mud runoff onto the patio. Would that be beneficial as well, along with the French drain? Uh so, in other words, well, if you're just putting, so she's putting the bricks on top of the retaining wall, is that what you're saying? No, no, this is actually on the bottom. So we got, here's how it goes. Hill, retaining wall, planting area at oh. the bottom of the retaining wall, then patio. Yes. Runoff comes from hill above the retaining wall and then makes patio muddy. <laughs> right. So, no, it should. But uh, just realize that, uh, pro- you know, it's going to, I mean, probably, I don't know how she's planning on setting the bricks, but I would put probably one brick. I don't know how big or how wide this planting space is, but I'd probably put one brick horizontal and one brick vertical next, you know, I mean. What, okay, side- so what the, the, it's actually like a brick edging, so it sits up about two inches above the patio line, okay. the concrete patio line. That should be fine, just so the bed space on the back side of it that you're trying to prevent the, you know, the overflow from coming onto your patio is, you know, lower than what that uh, brick edger is. Yep, it is. Perfect. Okay. I really appreciate your time, and I enjoy the show. Thank you so much. Great. Yes, thank you. And now let's go to Frank's yard. Hi, Frank. Hi. Hi. I'm. Uh, we, we had a couple of trees cut down last year. One was a sweet gum tree, and the other was a maple. One's in the front yard, and the other's in the back. Um, the, the fellow who did the stump grinding for us uh, said that uh, there would be an acid or some such thing in the soil that would prevent it from uh, 
supporting growth, if anything else, for a while. And he said, you know, this could this could go on for three or four years. What are your recommendations about going about um, looking? Uh, test it, do, do I test the soil to see what what to put in? He suggested might need to put lime in it or something like that. Well, to be honest with you, you know, the acid factor is uh, certainly a circumstance to be concerned with. But my, you know, I don't know how large these trees were, but just realize that even though the stump has ground out. There is a huge amount of boards, in other words, old root system that's still there, still viable, you know, and it's still, especially right where the trunk was, is, is just solid wood. I don't care how far down he ground out. So that's more right. of a concern than what the pH is, the actual wood factor there. Well, now, you know, in terms of what we're going to put in there, maybe just grass, Um at least initially, it will be right, but that doesn't we, matter. We, okay, so you're you're basically going to be trying to grow grow lawn on solid wood. So even though if you put you know put some dirt in there and everything else, the root systems you know as a seed germinates or if you get sod, it's gonna you know it's not gonna it may be okay, but once we start having some bad weather, you know from a temperature standpoint or from a drought standpoint then it's going to go downhill pretty quick. So this is a spot where, you I mean, I'd wait for a couple of years, to be honest with you, before I invested too much money, time, or effort trying to get any kind of thing to grow in this spot. So we're essentially going to have a, a spot that's uh, sparsely bare. <laughs> Basically, yes. I mean, it's unfortunate, I mean, get- but that's, I mean, realistically, that's what happens. There's, you know... All the lateral roots are going to stay, you know, all the feeder roots way out are going to still be viable. But especially right where that trunk was, if you just go out there and dig dig down, take a shovel, take a spade, and tr- dig down where this spot is and see how far down you get with, you know, into soil before you get any soil. And I bet you're not going to get any soil for a while as far as depth-wise. Mm. Well, I mean— there's quite a bit of, you know, I've still got a lot of wood chips on the sure, surface even right if you now clear I'm trying those, to get rid of. Yeah, even if you clear those out. Clear those out and look down there at the bottom after you've cleared out all the wood chips and see what there is right there. I bet it's not dirt. Well, I watched him do it, and I'm sure there's there's a lot of stump left. I've kind of wondered about that. Right. Also, um, I also wondered about when I do go to plant a tree later, if, if we decide to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it, it seems to me at least, I wouldn't want to go right over where the old tree was. Right. Centered. Uh, so how far away, you know, should I try to go? Well, ideally, if you could do it about, you know, 8 to 10 feet away, that would be great. Five feet would be a minimum. But the exact position would be, again, going out there with a spade and digging down to make sure that there is not a whole big bunch of, you know, big piece of root right where you're going to be putting the tree, the new tree on top of it. Right. Yeah, these were mature trees too. I mean, yeah, they were not small trees, right? So you, I mean, we you got a we, you got a huge amount of biomass below the ground. Yeah, we we love the sweet gum tree in terms of shade, but uh, it was getting to be a, quite the hazard. And I know you can, <laughs> yeah. at least I've heard that you can you can get the tree treated every spring so it'll stop producing gumballs. But that's that. I understand there also is a small window of time to do that, right? And also, it's like very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a Scotsman, and I'm cheap, and I'm getting ready to retire, so <laughs> I'm wanting to keep my expenses down. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you very much. It's very been very helpful. It, 
let me know. Come on, give me some idea where I should spend my efforts. Yeah. Just be, you know, just don't get too enthusiastic about trying to get something to go in this space. I don't care what you okay. do. All right. So All putting right. lime down or any of that stuff is not going to make a bit of difference. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad to hear that from a professional. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open. Right now, let's head over to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Hello, Dave. Are you there? Hey, Mike. Yeah, sorry. I, I don't know what happened there. Um, I got one of your favorite questions for you. It's a lawn lawn problem. <laughs> so, uh, we live out in the country. We have quite a large lawn, like five acres of lawn that we take care of. It's got quite a bit of zoysia, and there's a section that is being overtaken by some sort of weed. Um, you have this, you have asked uh, other folks in the past, is it green right now and things of that nature? The answer is it is green right now. And it looks, it's growing very, very tight to the ground. Uh, and it looks like clover, but it's very, very tiny leaf. And it, in, in the summertime, it appears to be a creeping type situation where I can get a hold of it and small runners will be pulled up. Do you have any idea what that is and what we might be able to do for that? Well, without seeing it, it's a little tough. But uh, basically what you can go after with, uh, if it, from your description, is just a broadleaf weed killer. So if you wanted to, get, if you're not opposed to using an herbicide, that's a way to kill it off. Okay, um, and that can be applied anytime it's green, like it's growing right now. Exactly, if, if right. Start, start after that. Right. Um, if, would that have any impact on the zoysia in the area? No, if you're getting a broadleaf weed killer, it doesn't impact you know anything with a narrow blade. So it won't. If you have weeds in there too that are grassy looking weeds. Then it's not. It's gonna, you know, won't impact that either. But no, it won't impact your lawn whatsoever. Okay, um, we've had a we have a, uh, a friend of ours that is a hort, and she seemed to think it's wood sorrel. Does that sound like it could possibly be wood sorrel? Yeah, I guess it could. Yes, with like I say, without seeing, it's a little bit, you know, tough to yeah, see. Yeah, I understand. But, right. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll attack it in that fashion. And appreciate your time today. Great. Yeah. So yeah, broadleaf weed killer. So a weed be gone right. type thing. Right. And we we'll, and we can spot treat that. I just I you know right because it's it's you know just spray it on. Okay. Well, we'll give it a shot. Thanks, Mike. Sounds perfect. And good luck with mm -hmm. that. And now let's head to Barb's yard, and she lives in Winsville. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, my question. I've forgotten. Why do we cut knockout roses back, and is it necessary? Uh, basically, it's just, you know, it's more or less, we do it because we're a little bit nuts about pruning things. <laughs> That's part of it. But it's not totally necessary. What it is necessary, though, if you don't want to feel like pruning, then don't. But just if you start to, you know, if the new growth starts coming out emerging foliage-wise because you're going to get the leaves before you get the flowers, and you get some stems of your knockout rose that doesn't have any leaves coming out on it, you should probably cut that off because it potentially could be an invitation to diseases, insects, viruses, and things like that. So part of it is essential, but just overall pruning for the sake of pruning, it's not necessary. 
It, w- it won't encourage them to branch out? Uh, the pruning? Not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, they've got a lot of stems. They're a natural sh- growing shrub, so they're going to do that anyway. Okay, well, they got they got little tiny nodules on them already. Uh, do I fertilize this time of the year? No, it's too early. Wait until you actually start to see some of the foliage, some foliage color. Okay. So, in other words, the buds are opening up and you're seeing some green. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. What do you need to know? Yeah, and then fertilize using a rose food would be the best thing. Okay. Okay, that's a good reminder. Thanks. Yep. And now let's go over to Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Hey, how you doing today? Very good. Appreciate the show. Hey, somebody was calling about their tree stump. Right. Uh, a minute ago, and I'm not sure, uh, maybe this was too big of a tree stump, but I've had some luck by, first off, calling um, 1-800-DIG-RIGHT, which I'm a believer in, just so that you know what's underground. But if the tree's not too big, let's say under 20-inch uh, diameter or smaller, um, you could uh, burn the stump out and then smack it with a pickaxe or something after it burns uh, all day long. Um, I wouldn't do that without building a ring around the tree and throwing some sticks on, just like you're having a, uh, um, you know, a little barbecue pit in your yard. Mm-hmm. But you would have to first identify your uh, uh, 1-800-DIG-RIGHT, make sure there's no gas lines or something underneath. And then um, I would recommend that you sit there and barbecue with your Weber and have the radio going. Um, Have a hose there just in case and a shovel and let the thing burn out. If you're going to plant grass over the top of it, you can, I've done this successfully at least four times where I've uh, done this. And um, after you burn it out, then you can add um, soil and then sod over it and be successful. Okay. That's just my tip. Yeah, I mean, certain areas you can't burn, you know, open burning. That's exactly like that. right. So you got to be safe about it and one eight hundred dig right. Right. There Sounds perfect. All right, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the show. You guys are the best. Right. Bye. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, you know, this. I mean, most of these, you know, this gentleman that you're speaking about that called earlier, his stump was ground out, so the stump was way down, probably eight or ten or twelve inches below the surface. So the grinding goes down that deep so i mean there's not too much you could burn you know down there and again depending upon where you live you can't have open burning so anyway let's head now over to bob's yard hi bob hi there i think you part of my question is do it burning what do you think about burning off the zoysia in the spring to dethatch it well it looks like you live in missouri and if you live in this metropolitan <laughs> area you cannot do burning like that okay uh, what does it work though? I've seen uh, people years ago do it. So right. Well, I mean, the best. I mean, certainly it does help. But if you set your mower really low and just cut to your zoysia before it starts greening up, pretty low, like down to an inch, it's that does pretty much about the same thing. Okay. So set it down as low as it'll go, and right. do it like that. Right. Okay. Appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, I'll open burning. Now, if you lived in Illinois, you could burn, but uh, not in Missouri. Let's try to get another call in before break. Hi, Alex. How are you today? Hi. Hi. 
Uh, yes, a few weeks ago you had a story about, well, not a story, someone had a problem with chipmunks. Uh-huh. And I've thought about this and thought about this, and I just had to call you and tell you a story about a chipmunk and my poppy plant. We had um, poppies, beautiful poppies. We waited every year, and then we noticed that they were sprouting up little babies. And I was so excited. Well, I'd come home from work, and I'd look at my poppies, and everything was fine. And then one day I came home from work, and that little baby was gone. (laughs) I thought, who pulled it out? I went over there, and I could see it. So I thought, okay, I pulled it up, patted the ground around it, went in the house. We had supper, and we came out for the evening, and... It was gone again. I thought, okay, there is something going on. And I went over, I pulled it back up out of the ground because it, it was just just under the ground. Mm-hmm. So my husband um, set a little trap to see if we could catch whatever it was. Right. And the next day, next morning, my poppy plant was gone, completely gone. <laughs> but in the trap was a little chipmunk. Ah. I thought, you little devil. (laughs) (laughs) My husband called in the house. He says, honey, we got Alvin. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I just had to call and tell you that story. Well, that's perfect. Yeah, we had chipmunks living under our front porch in our home in Ellisville. My mother loved them, and whatever they did, she didn't really care. Yeah, that's right. Well, we turned them loose in the silly thing ran around the house to where we were in back and then took off to the woods. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, thanks, Alex. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Let's go to Jean's yard, and she lives in Oakville. Hi, Jean. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I know you tell people all the time about limelight hydrangeas, but I'm a little confused. Last year, mine grew over five foot high, and they were just kind of wild. And I had trimmed them down this time, first part of March. But I want to know what to do with the floppy branches that are there and then the hardwood that's in the center. I'm just not sure where I should, how far down I should trim. Uh, how long have they been in the ground? Uh, this is the third year. Uh, probably I would cut them back, back about halfway. Halfway? Yeah. Even the hard woody part? Right. Okay. And, and just, then the branch? Just the to try floppy, to get it so you have stronger stems. Okay. The floppy branches, just cut them halfway? Yeah. Or if they're really floppy and really you know thin, and probably I'd cut those. I mean, you're basically growing those. Because, I mean, they're not going to be able to have flower buds probably on the top of them for the foliage. So yeah, I would, you know. How I far would, can I cut the thin ones back? Then? I would even cut them back a little bit more than halfway. Yeah, because they're really thin. Right. Quite, some of them are really thin. Right. So cut them okay. back down to, you know, to make, make it so you're going to have foliage lower into the shrub. Oh, that's, the, yeah, I had foliage high. Right. I really, I. They were beautiful. They right. really were, but they just got overwhelming. Right. Another thing, holly. When do I trim the holly so that I don't cut 
take, you know, cut the chance of getting berries in the winter. Basically, you want to do it before the flowering is going to occur, so do it, you know, as soon as you possibly can. Oh, I can even do that now. Yeah, because, you know, if you wait and the, you know, and, and the flowers start emerging, then you've got real problems because you're not going to get the pollination. I'm not going to get them. Oh, that's what happened. They came through last year and trimmed our bushes in the neighborhood, and it was too late. Right. So I didn't get berries this year. Right. So I'm going to do it myself this year. Okay. Ivy, last week you said, Ivy, we can take a lawnmower at the highest uh, elevation of the lawnmower and go up, you know, up and down, cutting the ivy so that we have a nice, even growth if we do it right about now? Yeah, if you do it before the new growth begins. Okay, and that'll cut those long, uh, you know, streamers-like? Well, the long stems with no leaves on it, like three or four feet where there's no foliage and then there's foliage at the end, that's uh-huh. because these are really old, mature pieces or sections of ivy. In those areas, they're not going to be impacted by mowing. Okay. So you're not going to get you know any kind of foliage coming off those. That just says these plants are really long and old, and nothing's going to happen there. You're only going to get new growth and foliage growth at the end, and never along the stem that doesn't have any growth or foliage Should on I it right now. Should I trim those long ones by hand? Yeah, that would be an ideal thing to do. Okay. Now um, they are uh, they're like four years old. Well, they shouldn't have, I mean, they shouldn't have had that happen. Usually it's when they get into double digits where you start no, getting. No, no, this is brand, you know, I'm, I'm going to say max four years. Right. Uh, yeah, I would go ahead and cut them, but make sure you leave some of the bare stems so you can, you know, encourage new growth. But remember, when you cut it off, then at the end where the foliage is now, then you're not going to have any foliage at that spot. Okay. And then, but the lawnmower would be okay to do that too? Right. Okay. And then just do it at the highest elevation. Right, exactly. And then, you know, just make sure you do it again before any kind of new growth begins. Oh, I'll, I'll have him do it this week. And then you, you go one direction, and then do you go back in the same area the other direction? You don't really need to. Once okay. should be adequate. One time. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's uh, ivy four years old that you're having elongation like that. That doesn't sound really good. Also, what you might do is just, you know, since it's, you know, kind of a young colony, is just get some new flats of ivy and plant it in those areas where you get the stems where there's no leaves and, you know, kind of mask it that way as opposed to trying to cut it and induce some new growth from, you know, the root system and the new, and the, let's say the section that didn't have any foliage on it. Because that's going to be a, that's a tough one. After only four years, like I said, usually that kind of situation happens when the plants really are old. And uh, so I don't know exactly what was going on there. Other, other things that you need to be thinking about this time of year is uh, pre-emergence. If you're going to put a pre-emergent in your lawn, just make sure that you know, forsythia is in bloom in your neighborhood. Or you can go to your favorite garden center and get a soil thermometer. And the soil thermometer should read 50 degrees. So, in other words, you stick it in the ground, it tells you what the temperature of your soil is. And 50 degrees is when seeds start germinating. So that is when you would put your pre-emergent down, if you're going to put a pre-emergent in your lawn area or other areas too. So just you know, realize that that's what's really crucial. Too early or too late is not going to make any difference. So... 
<sighs> There's a lot of stuff to do this time of year. Mike Miller, KMRS Garden Hotline. See you after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. More specifically, Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour. And I'll be giving it shortly, but right now, give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off. Yes. Uh, you're Irish, right? Kelly's A little Irish bit. Name. Brian Patrick <laughs> Kelly, yes. So I wonder, do you guys decorate with the... Uh, Irish St. Patrick's Day type stuff. We'll put out a couple things probably, and probably have some uh, gold beads and things, or green beads and things <laughs> like that around. Yeah, we'll we'll have some fun with it for sure. Well, that sounds perfect. Yeah, maybe go. Uh, well, we used to go down to Soulard once in a while, and and you know have the fun down there but, for the uh, parade. Yeah, and just for the post fun. If it's nice out, you know, you <laughs> right. got to get out, get in the city where it's really fun. But exactly. uh, we, we will find a way to celebrate, I'm sure. Because that, you know, the date of St. Patrick's Day is like the last week of winter. Yeah. So that's a celebration in its own right. And you, know? you never know. I mean, sometimes St. <laughs> right. Patrick's Day, I remember a few years back, it's been several, but we were down in Soulard outside McGurk's, and the tree right there on oh, was blooming, beautiful dogwood or whatever, white, just gorgeous tree. And then other years, you you stay inside and otherwise you shiver. So it, it, you, it's one of those parties where you never know how right, it's going to be. Exactly. So we'll hope for nice weather. Well, great. Sounds good. All right. And folks, by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, cares for, ups and downs and all around. Annuals. I've gotten my annuals. I normally get pansies, but I decided um, not to get pansies this year, but I got another type of violet. It's a small, it's the, the flowers are probably maybe 25% as big as the pansies, but I just, they're called pepper violets, and I thought, uh, ah, try something a little bit different. So I have window boxes uh, outside the kitchen with our pepper violets in it. And the bulbs, oh, thank goodness for the bulbs. Oh, they're really starting to come up. I was really concerned about the ones that I have growing in pots that the cold weather could have done knocked them out. But it looks like most of them, I can't say 100%, but the majority of them are starting to erupt you know, in the surface in their pots and the ones in the ground for sure. Your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take. You can get to the end result that you like, Many different ways, but I strictly offer my insight. So anyway, Alex is across the big board. He produces, so when you call, he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. During the weekend on weekends, today I'm headed towards University City after the show to do a walk and talk. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and that's where my phone number and email address is. And you can get a hold of me, and we'll come. I'll come over to your home and Spend some time with you. The tip of the trowel is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trowel goes out. I walk through the neighborhood early in the morning and then in the afternoon as well. But to everybody that has crocus blooming in their yard, it's like you see, from a distance you see some color. And as you get closer, it's just, it's really nice to see the crocus. It's too bad we, you know, it, I don't see a whole lot of snowdrops. They actually bloom a little bit earlier. 
They're white, but they're not as dramatic as a crocus. There was a yard, I think it's on Wanda, which is very close to where I live, and they must have had a couple hundred crocus, and it was just so nice. So everybody who plants crocus, thank you very much. It's a, a breath of fresh air. So they get the tip of the trowel today. So why don't we head over and do a couple calls before we take a break? Let's go to Carlton, Illinois, or Carrollton. Carrollton, Illinois, and that's where Joyce lives. Hi, Joyce. Hi, Mike. This Hi. is Joyce. Hi. Uh, another beautiful day in paradise, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, I have five hemlock trees, and three are planted on the north side and two on the east in the yard. The three in front are beautiful. They've grown. I've had them for about 15 years, and they've grown and just as green and beautiful, and the two on the east side are tar- starting to turn yellowish and, and look awful. Is a fertilizer something I need for those two, or what do you think's going on? Uh, I don't know, but is the ones that are not looking so green, are they near concrete or anything like that, or the house foundation or something along that line? Uh, no, they're on the property line, which um, is open, I would say. So there's no other people. They don't have anything there either. So I would say probably that particular in that location, the soil pH is probably high. So in other words, you need to get some iron sulfate. And but ideally, you should probably get a soil test done and find out what the pH is, because all the evergreens really want a pH of pHs go from zero to 14, with seven being neutral. And so you want something below 7. And usually with the hemlocks and a lot of the evergreens, you wanted at probably about 6 or so. So okay. that would be my guess. The, the pH in that location is higher, and that's why they're, you know, discolored. And what also happened to one of them is a deer came through during the rut season and <laughs> walked off a couple of the branches. So it's, it really looks bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, yeah. It, it, did you say something about boxwood the other week? Uh, it, can you trim it any time? Yeah, as soon as you possibly can. You know, I mean, that's if you like do now. it after the new growth begins and you kind of make it so it might be looking pretty ugly because it's not going to have any you know, the ability to kind of cover up where you have made the cuts. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help. I'm going to try that uh, soil test and iron right. sulfate. Yeah, you can go. There's a company in Belleville, actually, that does soil testing. University okay. of Illinois used to do the soil testing, but I don't think they do it anymore. Yeah, I don't know if our extension does it either. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. So Thank you. Answer. Yeah, go to a private company. So okay, let's, thanks. Yep, and let's Bye. stay in Illinois and go to Jeff's yard, and that's in Belleville. Hi, Jeff. How you doing there, Mike? Very good. Appreciate your time. Good shows. Uh, what I got is a question. I got a couple butterfly bushes I planted last year. They're about three foot tall, compact. Uh, they're showing some green already on the, a lot of the leaves inside, but should I trim them at all? Uh, you don't need to. If you want to, you can, but it's not necessary. You can prune those because they bloom in the summertime versus something that blooms in the springtime because if you prune spring-blooming things, you're just va- virtually cutting off the flowers for this year. So with anything that blooms the in the summer, flowers? yeah, anything that blooms in the summer, you can prune all the way up until, uh, you know, summertime, basically. Okay. 
another question. Rosa Sharon, this is my third year on them. They're about six foot tall now. Should I trim them this now or should I wait a little bit longer? No, you can, again, because they bloom in the summertime, you can prune them now before the, you know, and without interfering with the, the amount of flowers they're going to do this, you know, this summertime. One more quick question. Sports mixed grass, should I put it out now or wait a little bit longer? As far as grass seed? Yes. Yeah, it's still a little bit too early. You know, so again, uh, if you want to get a soil thermometer and when the temperature is like 50 degrees, that's when the seed starts germinating. Or watch in your neighborhood for yellow forsythia to bloom because that means the soil temperature is around 50 and so that will trigger the germination. If you put it out too early and we have extended periods of rain, it could wash and everything else. So that's the disadvantage of putting it out. Days of old, they used to say throw grass seed out in the snow and all that other stuff. That's not really advisable. Okay. Well, that's all I really have, but I appreciate your time. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, I'll take a couple phone calls in a few seconds. But right now, St. Patrick's Day is coming up. And several different places I've noticed are selling shamrocks. Shamrock is clover, which is oxalis is the botanical name. So uh, taking care of a shamrock is not as easy as what you might think. Actually, it's easy, but if you don't know what you're doing, then you could, your shamrock could go down the hill really quickly. I got one myself. They have the red leaf one, the green leaf one, but traditionally I just go with the green leaf one. But uh, the shamrock will go dormant in summertime. So it'll do fine right now, looks great. But then when summer comes, it's going, all the foliage is going to go downhill. Now, the shamrocks also are, they have a small bulb. So understand that that's the case with them. So when they go dormant, it could be any place between three weeks to three months. And during the dormancy of that you know, period, no fertilizer or no water either. And be extremely careful that you do not overwater your shamrock. Excessive water will send them downhill really super quickly. So uh, basically, let them go really, really dry. They need to be in bright light. And also, when they're in flower, which if you're buying them now, they're going to be in flower and bloom. This is when you want to fertilize them when they're in flower. So that's extremely important. But the best, the major thing is if you pour water into your, you know, into your shamrock and you have a saucer underneath it or you have that foil, more or less, cup, that holds, you know, holds a plant, holds a pot. Um, make sure that uh, when you water, that you take, lift the pot out of that, uh, or if you've got the saucer there, any excessive water you get rid of because it's going to send it downhill really, really quickly. So shamrocks want to be really dry. So let's head now over to Karen's yard. Hi, Karen. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have a question uh, on uh, clematis, or uh-huh. if my sister corrects me, clematis. I'm not sure what their correct name is. I believe they're Jackman or Jackaman. Um, they're about eight years old on my trellis, and were gorgeous, you know, growing all the way up to the top. Sure. But about four years ago, uh, one side looked, the only thing I could tell, had a few black leaves. 
Well, ever since then, it's been stunted. And, I mean, it's healthy, but it just isn't, you know, um, growing very fast. My question is, can I uh, carefully plant another one next to it so it might uh, fill out? Because it's pretty lopsided looking. So basically you have two clematis growing, you know, growing on the same trellis. Is that what you're saying? Correct, on each side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, arbor. I mean, pull the one out that's, you know, not looking good. Just make sure that you don't plant it too deeply. And clematis like an alkaline soil. So if you happen to have some lime, it wouldn't hurt to just sprinkle some there. I'm not saying that's what made the one, you know, look bad. But that's, you know, just realize that that's the case with that. And the clematis, so- as you know, is, uh, you know, as they age, the bottom part of the stems, three or four feet, depending upon how tall they are in the trellises, is not going to have any foliage on it. Sure. So rather than plant one next to it, you think I should pull it out totally? Yeah, pull that one out and just, you know, the one that has the black leaves and just put a new one in. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you have time for another question sure. on a jugo? Um, I have a huge tree that's been, you know, trimmed probably three times. It kind of looks like a Halloween tree. Uh, but, I mean, when it uh, leaves out, it still looks really, really pretty. But I can't grow much underneath of it because of the the soil. Could I plant a juga um, um, around it? I tried ivy, and it didn't take very well. Well, if the ivy didn't do well, I don't know if the ajuga is going to do well. So okay. You know, I mean, what you could do is you might try just, you know, get maybe a six-pack of a couple different kinds of ground cover. Think about Vinca Minor, so the periwinkle with blue flowers. It is evergreen. You could try the ajuga and uh, just, you know, see which one's going to work the best. My guess is the ajuga is probably not going to do all that good, but it may be okay. You know, it's just okay. it's hard to tell. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Certainly. My pleasure. Uh-huh. And Bye-bye. let's head now to Gene's yard. Hi, Gene. Hello, Mike. This is Jane. Uh, got a question for you. Four years ago, I had a hard maple die from boars. We had it removed and ground the stump out of the ground. And the hole that was left, I have a good friend with a farm up here in West Alton, uh, River Bottom, I assume good soil. He brought the dirt in, leveled out the hole. And uh, for three years now, every spring, I plant fescue grass seed, watered, starter fertilizer, and it comes up fine and dandy. But by um, end of definitely in July, it starts dying. And uh, even the seven nutgrass that sprouts up, it dies with it. And uh, I've got, it's about four foot diameter spot, and I'm puzzled. I'm sure you're going to say I should have the soil tested, but uh, I'm puzzled. Why does the grass come up for a few months, do it that's good in that dirt, but then every year dies around July. What can I do? Not, I mean, not too much. So in other words, in essence, I don't know if you were listening last hour, but I was talking to a gentleman. He's had his stump ground out. But even if they grind the stump and everything else and you backfill it with soil, there's still a heck of a lot of wood there. And as this wood is, so in other words, root system, still some of the stump, you know, is still there and viable. And as that wood basically rots or dies or whatever implodes, it binds up nutrients, it binds up moisture, it binds up all kinds of things. So that's why you're not having any success. The seed has enough energy, you know, to grow to a certain point. But when the stress, you know, stressful time of summer comes around, then it sends it downhill. So it's going to happen for probably another couple of years. 
So not much I can do about it. Just live with it anyway. Exactly. So, I mean, you, you'll drive yourself crazy to try to grow grass on where a stump was. Hasn't worked for three years, so you're probably right. <laughs> so you Thank gotta, you, Mike. Yeah, so you probably got three more years of this heartache, and then slowly but surely, then all the wood of the stump and the root system and everything should implode, and you should start having success. Okay, thanks for your help. Sure, my pleasure. And Bye-bye. Let's, let's go over to Dee's yard. Hi, Dee. Mike, this is Dee. Welcome. Hello from Washington. Hi. Uh, I have a... Um, lamb's ear that I had. This is the second year for it. And it's about three feet in diameter. And I don't know what how to uh, trim that. It it just looks horrible. Lamb's ear, I mean, the, the probably just because of the cold. But usually, I mean, the foliage should be pretty much evergreen. So if it looks horrible, you mean it's laying flat down or something like that? Or is it the leaves actually discolored? Have they lost well, their... They're, they're kind of dried up, but I uh, I want to know if, if I have to trim that, or does it does it just come out? No, it should come out. You shouldn't have to do anything to it. That's one of the things oh. with the lambs here. As long as it's in a full sun location, and watch it out, is. it doesn't like to be uh, you know overly watered. So oh, keep it okay. on the dry side. But I don't really have to trim it. Just let it be, huh? Yeah, and any, you know... Later on, let's say once we get into June or something, if there's some foliage still visible that you don't really like, you can cut that off, but you don't have to. It's not going to make that much difference in the overall health. But when it grows, it, it, it grows up about a foot tall. Can I cut them off? Uh, it's not. No, it's, you really shouldn't cut. You know, you're talking about okay. you'd be cutting the leaf in half, and that's not what you want to do. Oh, I see. Just let it be then. Yes. Okay, thank you. Sure. Have a good day. Yeah, the lamb's ear is a, you know, a, a plant that has, for people that don't know, it has a very fuzzy leaf. And yeah. if you have a deer problem, then the deer don't like that fuzziness, so the deer won't eat it either. Oh, I don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> I have mold problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Thanks, Dee. Thank you. Sure. Bye. Now let's go to Nancy, and she lives in Baldwin. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I am trying something new this year. I want to try a grow light for my vegetable seeds, and I was wondering how many hours should it be on, and do you use the light only when the green sprouts peak out? Basically, you should just, what's you know, you don't have to wait for the seeds to sprout. I would say keep the light on it and probably keep it on for like 12 hours. 12 hours on, 12 hours off. So get a timer. That way you won't have to worry about unplugging it. Oh, good. And my neighbor just asked me to ask you, she's, doing pre-emergent crabgrass killer when the ground turns to be about 50 degrees or so, but she also wants to grow some grass seed, and I said, I don't think that the, that's going to work together. No, it's not. Basically, the pre-emergent will kill your lawn seed, so you got depending upon what variety of pre-emergent you put down, you're going to have to wait for any place between two and four weeks after you put the pre-emergent down before you can put grass seed down. That will survive. Oh, you're wonderful. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Have a great day. Yep. And Lori lives in U City. Hi, Lori. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a question. Um, obviously, I have a question. That's why I called. <laughs> um, I called you in the fall a couple of years ago about my smoke tree, like a smoke bush smoke tree. Mm-hmm. And I have these six-foot shoots, and um, I trimmed them then. There's just multiples of them. And I can't imagine, I mean, if, if it grows from that, then they're going to be... 30 feet in the air, which I'm not interested in. But I um, can I trim them now? That's the question. Sure. 
absolutely. Okay. And I mean, there, it's anything- a, you know that that shrub is a colonizer, so that's why you're getting all this sucker growth. It's coming off the root system. Okay. So yeah, you can cut them back. Okay, I will do that. And um, oh, and can you can do you know when you can plant garlic or garlic or when do you plant garlic and potatoes? You. Well, the potato, the potato seeds are at the you know at the garden centers now. And the garlic you could have put in the ground already. Already so, being the fall. Well, you could put it in the fall if you want to. It's pretty tough stuff. Now the seed potatoes, yeah. you could uh, garden centers have them now, so you can plant them. I'd probably wait for maybe another week or so, and then put the you know the seed potatoes in the ground. But the garlic can be planted in the fall if you can find it. Or you can plant it whenever you you know you can find the bulb to actually plant. So you're not planting grocery store garlic. You're planting a specific garlic. Yeah, if you, I mean, I'm not sure. You know, to the grocery store stuff. I don't know how how viable it would be. You could try it and see what happens. Okay. Yeah, just I mean, if you want to, just stick some in a pot and grow it in a pot, and then later on. And let's say in the fall or so, take it out of the pot and plant it in the ground in the location where you want it. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks for your time. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMWARS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, we're headed to St. Charles, and we're going to see what's going on with Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi there, sir. Hi. Uh, I've got something that looked really nice a couple of years ago, and it's spreading all over the yard. And I think it's creeping Charlie. Ooh. Not too much you can do about it now, to be honest with you. Next August, get a pre-emergent and put it down and get, you know, get it killed off that way. But, uh, I mean, you can go out with it, and if you want to, use a broadleaf weed killer like a Weeby Gone. But uh, just realize it has been dropping seeds you know, this whole time, even though the flowering is going to be more pronounced and more pro- prolific this time of year, and it will, you know, it will keep growing until the weather starts warming up. It's a cool season annual weed, and then it'll disappear. But it has dropped thousands of seeds between the time it germinated last, you know, late August, early September until now. So, putting the pre-emergent down mid to late August is the best way to get it under control for the future. And I just realized it might take a couple of years of putting the pre-emergent down at that time. Is there a good pre-emergent to put down uh, in the fall? I, I would just say go to your favorite garden center, tell them you have chickweed, and see which one they would recommend. Well, thank you very much, sir, and God bless you. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, you know, those cool season, uh, you know, annual weeds are just ah, they drive you crazy. But anyway, amen. <laughs> thanks, Bill. And now let's go to Glenn Carbon and see what's going on with Mick. Hi, Mick. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. I'm calling for my friend Gloria. Gloria's got a big crush on you, and she gets all giddy and stuff, so it's on me today. <laughs> okay? Sure. Anyway, I've got a uh, a strand of uh, sweet autumn clematis that was dug up a couple days ago. Uh, it's pretty much bare root. I've just got it sitting in a jar of water right now. Can I pot that up? Yeah, I'd get it out of the water the and get pot. it into, you know, some potting mix for sure, ASAP. Okay. Okay, good enough. Uh, it's also about four feet long, 
cut it back? No, just leave it alone for right now Please. and wait and wait to, you know, once you get into a pot and you get it outside and just wait if there's a section of it out of that four feet, you know, at the tip that doesn't produce any foliage, go ahead and cut that off. But uh, leave it as, you know, totally in peace right now. Okay, very good. I've also got uh, quite a bit of uh, the ornamental red honeysuckle. It's on a trellis about eight feet long and about, you know, six foot tall. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's covered well. It's, it's four or five years old now. Cut that back. You don't need to. I mean, uh, it's an evergreen as far as foliage goes. And the red trumpet honeysuckle is a very tough, durable honeysuckle vine. So if you want to cut it, you can, but you don't need to. Okay. Well, you made my life a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we make things too difficult by, you know, thinking we have to, you know, prune stuff, and it doesn't make any difference to the plant. Yeah, well, I usually think three years on the outside before before I cut anything. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Very good. Well, I thank you, and my friend Gloria thanks you. All right. Well, thank you. All and right. Let's go now to Jean in Oakville. Hi, Jean. Hello, Mike. Hi. Um, I have a perennial uh, flower garden, and I've gotten to the point where I really can take care of it as well as I should. Um, Do you have a suggestion on where I can go um, or call to get someone to help me? As far as... You mean somebody to come in and ma- you know maintain your plant material? Yes. Uh, I'd probably maybe just give a, the botanical gardener, you know, try to call them and see, or m- maybe, let's say you live in Oakville, I yes. maybe call the horticulture department at uh, Merrimack Community College. That might be oh, the best place. Okay. Because right. you'll get a student, and you know, probably cost-wise it's going to be a little bit uh, less expensive, and... They're going to be hopefully knowledgeable. Great. Okay. I thank you very much for your help. Sure. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Now let's go to Diane, and she lives in St. Louis. Hi, Diane. Hi. Hello. Hi. Diane, are you there? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm confused about my oak leaf hydrangea. It's very tall. It's in the front of my house. And I want to trim it. Is it possible to trim it right now? Yeah, do it now because it's you know it's flowers basically in the summertime. So anything that flowers uh-huh. in the summer, you're going to be pruning now before the let's say the flower buds you know start forming. Okay, thank you so much. Sure. Yeah, the oak leaf Bye. hydrangea gets quite big. People don't sometimes under you know realize it as tall as it really gets, and actually. Uh, I, when I worked at the Botanical Garden, the English Woodland Garden, I was shocked because I was, not, you know, this was back in the mid-70s. I wasn't familiar with the oak leaf hydrangea. And in those four years that I worked in the Woodland Garden, it really got much bigger than I ever anticipated. So it was really kind of a, whoa. Anyway, let's head over to Eric's yard now. Hi, Eric. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I've got a wife who also has a crush on you as well. <laughs> uh, anyhow, Mike, I've got a full-grown oak tree here, and it's been taken over by these gulls. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, is it eminent uh, demise of the of the tree, or is there anything I can do to treat it? Basically not. 
I mean, as far as treatment goes. And it really doesn't kill the tree. The only time it becomes problematic is sometimes the wasp that actually the female's laying the eggs, and that's what, when the eggs hatch, they cause that, they more or less bore into the twig of the oak, and that's what causes that bloated gall-type thing. And sometimes they go, you know, they repeat and lay the eggs on an old gall. And so sometimes you'll see some of the galls like the size of softballs. When they start getting big like that, that's when they become problematic because the weight could cause some kind of crack in a twig slash branch, and then moisture gets in there, and there's where the trouble comes from. But the galls in and of themselves are not really something that's going to kill the tree. Okay, well, that's good to know. Uh, they're just taking over their neighborhood, slowly oh. but surely. Oh, some of them are. It's really amazing how many galls there can be on certain trees. Is this a new thing, new development? No, 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 no. It's been around for a long time. It's probably new yeah. to your neighborhood, but no, it's right. been like uh, ever since I've been back into St. Louis, which I came back in 76, uh, it's been here. Very good, very good. Thank you again. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go out to Lake St. Louis and see what's going on in Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Good morning, Mike. Thank morning. you for your service. Sure. I've got uh, several of the tall ornamental grasses. Uh, they, you know, they're like four or five feet tall right now and kind of wispy at the top. Right. Um, is now a good time to cut those back? Yes, now's the time to do it. Put a bungee cord okay. around it, and then you can use a hedge trimmer. That way it keeps them from shattering and you know, makes it easier to kind of pick up all the debris. Gotcha. Bungee cord? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> all right. Works well, thank really. you very much, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, the ornamental grass is that wispy stuff at the top. That's actually the flower. So, uh, let's see. Getting another call in. Yes. Diana, how are you? How are you doing, Mike? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I planted a smoke tree last year. And it started growing well, but it's only like five stems that grew up to two to three feet. So it looks real leggy. Is there something I could do about that? Because I wanted a more full look. You're not going to get a full look off this particular shrub. You never get it dense. You'll never get it full. It's it's habit is just open. So you're going to have foliage basically at the top perimeter, more or less like kind of an icing on it, and then with bare stems. It's not going to be, you're not going to have foliage down lower on the stems no matter what you do, no matter how much you prune or anything else. So would your suggestion be that I just leave it alone? Yeah, that would be the best thing. I mean, uh, just, I don't know if you got one with the smoke, you know, the the smoke, this is a smoke tree, but one with the purple leaves or what, you know, why you pick this particular one, but their habit is very, very open. And they do sucker growth, so you're going to start to see, as it matures, you're going to start to see some new stems coming up out of the ground. Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Jeanette from Fairview Heights. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, We have some holly trees that my husband spaded around last spring and again last fall. What's the best time to transplant them this spring? Uh, as soon as you possibly can, just oh, make sure. Okay. I don't know how big they are. Oh, about five feet. Yeah, you're going to have a huge root ball in that thing, so they're going to be really heavy. 
Okay. So, and how much water will they require once they're transplanted? Uh, water them before you dig them up, first of all. And then, you know, probably for the first month or so, I'd kind of, you know, make sure that they don't go through any kind of, let's say, if there's a really windy day, really sunny day, something like that, uh, take some water out there and just keep the root system, you know, damp. And okay. then after, after about a month or so, they should be, you know, starting to acclimate to the new spot. And the new spot should be... You know, in the sunny location, they're going to do better than they do in the shade. And okay. uh, just the top part of the root ball should be higher than the surrounding ground. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Good luck with that. Yeah, and I mean, moving a holly of that size, that's going to be a, a tough job. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. If you've got house plants that have uh, some tip burn in the foliage, it's not anything, it's not a disease, fungus, bacteria, or anything else. What it is is a result of too much fertilizer, excessive amounts of fertilizer. It's basically sticking in the soil, which fertilizer is salty. That's what's causing the burn. Improper watering or actually fluoride toxicity. So just realize that the you know, tip burn on your house plants is not some kind of disease or something. It's because of something physical that's happened to it. Let's go to Lisa's, and she lives in Salem, Illinois. Hi, Lisa. It's Lisa, and hey, Mike. Hi. I have a quick question about hostile plant um, bulbs. Can I put them in the ground now? Sure. Okay. And I have a big landscaping area, and I have some English ivy in there, and I have alpheas. I have um, hydrangeas, I have rose bushes. Um, is it okay to let that ivy go and just trim around the edges? Is it going to smother out everything, or should I just keep it, you know, cut down to a minimum? No, you know, it doesn't. Yeah, the only time ivy becomes problematic is if, like, it's running, you know, across the ground, which is fine as long as it's on the ground. It doesn't interfere with anything right. shrub-wise. Even a lot of perennials can handle it. But if it starts climbing tree trunks, that's not a problem either. It's once it goes out over the branches on a tree, that's when it's trouble because it overshadows, uh, let's say, the area of a branch where there should be regular type leaves. Okay. So it's not going to smother out like a hydrangea? No, not at all. Okay. So I can leave it be. Yes. And rose bushes, I can trim now. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Yep. You can wait on the roses, but uh, you can get them, you know, if you feel like doing it right now. There's no no problem doing it. Let's head now right. over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hey, Mike. How are you? Very good. Listen, I, I missed some of your show, probably most of it this morning, but I wanted to know what to put on the lawns now, right now because I've treated it in the fall. I just want to need what to put on the lawn, what to get and put on the lawns now for the spring. Uh, basically, you know, it's a little bit early to be putting any kind of fertilizer down unless you have a, you know, what's your lawn? Is it fescue or bluegrass? No, it's a, it's a, uh, zoysia slash Bermuda. Yeah. Uh, if that's the case, definitely no fertilizer. Okay. So unless you've got big bare spots or something like that, or an area where you have a lot of weeds growing and, and in other words, weeds that are coming up from seed, it's even too early to put down the pre-emergent. So pretty much on a warm season grass like what you have, there's not really too much to do. Get, I mean, 
start uh, thinking about you can go out and rake and do that kind of thing, but uh, chemically, okay. don't put anything down. I bought this stuff, Jonathan Green, uh, Love Your Soil. I don't know if you've heard of that. No. Uh, okay, never mind that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> buddy. Well, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. All right. And now let's head over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Yeah, hi, Mike. Hi. I, uh, I had a couple bids on a uh, tree, a maple tree, uh, to be taken down or whatever. It had some hollowness and uh, about six feet up in the trunk, pretty bad. The one guy says uh, he can fill it with concrete and trim it out, no problem. And I had the other guy come in, and he says, that's uh, uh, 1950s. That's not a good idea. Yeah, it's I'm even. Con- yeah, no concrete in a hole because it doesn't do anything. Basically, that you know, the water will run down the trunk and run into the hole, and you know, keep causing that you know heartwood rot. So concrete <laughs> is. I mean, that's really. Whoever told you that was not very good. Okay, I thank you very much, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. It's kind of like. You know, the pruning sealer. People still, you know, do this sometimes. But days of old, when people would prune, they'd, there was actually a pruning sealer that you'd, paint, you know, you'd paint on the wound of the, the tree, you know, the branch where you'd pruned it. That was great back then because it had lead in it, so it prevented any kind of virus, fungus, bacteria. Now it doesn't. It's strictly black, and it doesn't do anything. So let's head over to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Hello, Mike. Hi. Can you hear me? Hi. Uh, I recently purchased a frost-proof gardenia that I want to get in the ground, and I want to make sure I do this correctly because I love that bush. Um, I want to know, in preparing the hole that I dig, should I add compost to the soil? Um, And also, should I buy some kind of a soil amendment? And Uh. um, should I fertilize it? Not fertilized when you first put it in, but, it, you know, the gardenia. This is, in theory, a gardenia that's hardy outside? Yes, it's a frost-proof gardenia, good to zero degrees. Wow. So I'm, yeah. I'd be interested to see. But gardenia is like an acidic soil. So just make sure in the future when you do fertilize, you use an acid-based fertilizer. But putting a little bit of iron sulfate in the ground with the compost when you're mixing it up, that would be fine. And just dig the hole, you know, three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% as deep. So, in other words, the top of the root ball will be above the surrounding ground. Okay. Do you recommend putting a, a pine bark mulch around it? Yeah, that's fine because pine bark mulch will have some acidity to it. Okay. All right. I thank you so much. Sure. Have a good day. Yep. Let's head over to Redbud. And, Charlie, can you do it a little kind of quickly? Yes. I have an ornamental pear tree that I have a bunch of holes in it. They're horizontally from about three foot up to about eight foot up, and the holes are about the size of a uh, tip of an ink uh, ink pen. Right. Uh, is that going to kill the tree? It didn't go very deep. It's only as deep as the as the pulp, just through the bark. Yeah, that's but basically. There. There's a bird called a sap sucker, so it just sits there and, and then you know drinks the sap when it does it. it just and they usually do them in a row, horizontal row. Right. They are just all over the tree, yep. up and down. Yeah. So there's and they're smart enough they're not going to kill the tree because they like to go back and get another drink. Well, I guess they're smarter than me then. That's good. <laughs> All right, well thank you Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And other things that you need to be doing, uh 
you know, as the days get longer, your house plants, you know, make sure that you can, once they start doing some new growth, this is the time to be fertilizing them. Also, check closely for any kind of insect pest and get the control done as, you know, as soon as you possibly can. On the outside plants, we're almost at the end of the time where you can put a dormant oil spray on your plant material. What a dormant oil spray does, it suffocates the insects, and it can help with some of the fungus problems on the foliage or on the stems, not on the foliage. But so this is a time of year where few things got to be done because we're right on the end of a time to get the, like the dormant oil spray done. And with your houseplants, just uh, as the new growth begins, don't fertilize them until you start to see some elongation on the stems or the leaves or whatever it happens to be, depending upon the individual houseplant that you have. Other things is just uh, get out there and just enjoy. Today looks like another perfect day as far as just take a walk around your yard, your landscape, and just enjoy. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.